Hi, and welcome to episode 290 of No Crying in Baseball, the nude bar and beer episode. My name is Patty, and I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Hey there. Who is not bring, drinking beer right now? Yeah, I'm going to like put a pin in that nude bar conversation for just a minute because we are <laughs> drinking this really amazing thing, but we're drinking it quickly because yeah. there's a, only a small amount, and it tastes a little bit Kool-Aid-y as far as like how fast you want to drink it. Right, and I wish I had brought down the bottle because it's when, it's it's a it says like ready for happy hour or something like that. Like you just pour it over ice and then you drink it and it has vodka and chai and ginger and it's refreshing and it's you know it's very easy drinking and it's it's it has been easily drunk at this point because we've got just sips left and easily drunk seems like the kind of (laughs) go-to to describe our weekend weekend. because we were doing our um I want to say community service but that sounds like we were forced into it we were doing a volunteer gig yesterday at the Tacoma Foundation Beer Fest where we generously offered to pour beer for a few hours after we drank beer for a few hours um, and help, helping to raise money for community grants. It was a win-win-win situation, if you think about it that way. Like, just everybody won. And it was fun pouring beer. I mean, yeah, that was we were serving the community doing that. And yes. and we were stationed by – I mean, we were pouring good beer that we could sample as we were pouring. So, really, the, the drinking didn't end after our pre – uh, assigned role time. So, yes, I was pouring for a brewery that I'm very familiar with, whose beer I, mm. I purchased regularly, so I felt really comfortable yeah. talking about the kinds of beer. And then when I went home, I was like, but that was after I had consumed a bunch of beer. Did I just think I was smart sounding? Like, did I really sound like I knew what I was doing? Or did it just seem that way because I right. sampled beer from many many breweries but the thing that maybe the happiest was I chose my um my shirt carefully I like when I'm going to be doing things with the public to like shake things up a little bit so I wore my I just hope Lars Newt bar is having a good time uh, or is having fun mm-hmm. t-shirt and it was sort of a screening tool and I had a like fewer than 10 people comment on it like I had some people say oh who's that but the people who knew who Lars Newt bar was were either really excited or this one guy was out of his mind angry because Lars Newtbar is the bane of his existence because apparently really? Lars Newtbar getting playing time is blocking somebody that he likes oh. from moving up. And I was like, yeah, and they're like, oh, are you a Cardinals fan? I'm like, no, not at all. But I am a Lars Newtbar fan. I had a guy take a picture of me in the shirt to send to a friend. I had a guy That's run off awesome. and grab his wife and bring her back to prove that there was somebody in a Lars Newtbar T-shirt. So <laughs> it was. So good. I had a great time. And and we just hope that Lars Newtbar was as well. Yes. And actually he was he was batting when the rally squirrel came out. I think that was yesterday. It might have been the day before for the Cardinals. And it didn't help them. They still lost, but they did have a squirrel on the field while he was yeah. That seems on brand. So he might have been having fun watching the squirrel. Could be. Could be. Have you recovered from the beer fest? Oh, barely. So there was a lot of beer that we drank last night, yesterday. And so right now, that is one of the reasons why we're not drinking beer. I mean, mind you, we're still drinking alcohol. But then we're going to move to some Capital City. It's Capital Cider. Capital Cider House. I always put too many words in there. Just Capital Cider House. All right. And, yeah. and we'll report on that in just a few moments. Because it's not going to take long at all to right. knock back the rest of this because, because <laughs> we're sharing it. it, you know, it's, it yeah, it was just a little, it was a very, very small One could look at it and bottle. think it was like a single serving, but, I, but yeah. no, we yeah. divided it into thirds. <laughs> on today's show, we've got historic or at least noteworthy matchups. Our police blotter today includes international asshattery, slurs, and plunks. We're going to check in on some seriously awful predictions. We've got injuries there and back again. Justine Siegel keeps it coming with the firsts and always with the boyfriends. Cheers. Cheers. And we get to say like one of your favorite phrases I would think right about now, which is you were right. I like it when you say it. I don't want to ever have to say it, but I love to hear it. So you were right. And I probably need to say that more often on this show to tell you the truth. But last week we had talked about the little Dodgers, the little upcoming Dodgers being born. And what did you call them? Tiny, tiny Dodgers. Dodgers. Little tiny Dodgers. And and one of the um, big Dodgers having the tiny Dodger was Max Muncy. He came back on uh, April 28th, wasted no time on May 3rd, hit a walk-off Grand Slam that we can only attribute really to the dad power, mm-hmm. as you had said, as would be. You predicted this effect, really. Yes. You said that great things would be happening with the fathers of the Tiny Dodgers. And uh, he, it was a key Grand Slam, 10-6 win over the Phillies. 
And Mighty Max Muncy also leads at the time of recording, because it's a very slim margin right now, leads MLB with 12 home runs. There are several people behind him with 11. So, you know, there's a very high chance that by the time you hear this, somebody could have tied or passed Max. But we're going to just stay with the mighty superpowers. Uh, the last Dodger walk-off Grand Slam was all the way back in 2010. So I have a little bit of a caveat for this because Bruce um, Graderall, another recent Dodgers dad, uh, was the guy who let the Phillies tie it up to sort of set the stage. So he wasn't showing that dad power, but maybe it was like a dad-to-dad baton thing. Like he was just, just handing it. off the power. Yeah. Set yeah. it up to knock him down. Right. Setting up for the, for Mighty Max sure. to hit that out of the Let's park. Let's go with that. So, I like that. Yeah. Cheers, Max. Cheers, Max. My boyfriend for the Padres, um, Hassan Kim, I'm going to talk about him because he was – Critical in former boyfriend of yours, Fernando Tatis Jr.'s return to Petco Park, his first appearance mm. in San Diego after being gone forever because of injuries and because of suspensions and because of many, many things. Anyway, triumphant return to yes. Petco Park on Monday versus the Reds, which the Padres won 8-3. to three. Um, Kim had a double and scored in the fourth, but the exciting thing was he had a three-run homer in the fifth, which broke a 3-3 tie. They have a new home run celebration in San Diego yes, they because do. of their Mexico series. They yep. brought back a sombrero. So Kim got to wear the sombrero, put on his head by Tatis Jr., then got a curtain call because he's a big favorite in San Diego. Yeah. His fans love Kim. So curtain call, all of this. And then later on, Tatis said, I mean, who doesn't love Hassan Kim? And of so, of course, I, I love him because I – them so yay yeah so one thing I'm, I'm super appreciating about that sombrero situation is they seem to have um, a pinata thing going have you seen seen this no. so it seems like and i'm just sort of inferring here because i've just seen uh random instagram stories that after the game whoever was the successful guy gets to hit the pinata in the in the dug, whatever it is the the clubhouse they have a pinata party and ah. somebody gets to swing at the pinata. But the fun thing is there's a lot of dancing involved. And Fernando Tatis usually is not wearing a shirt, or at least in, in three of these So this is a plus, seen. is what you're saying. That's, that's a huge plus. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, And it seems like he's doing very well, too. He's, uh, Tatis is, is growing into the outfield. Not literally, but, you know, people are sharing him. He, he gets to do – like, he gets to turn around and wave to lots of folks who are cheering him on, and he seems to appreciate that, too. One other thing, though, about Hassan Kim that I just saw before we started recording is – Perhaps the Padres will be one of two teams uh, opening next year in South Korea. They're looking at having oh, a South Korea game. Wow. I am wondering, I mean, clearly it's going to be, you know, at the end of March, that that's sort of like that what they did this year before the season would really start, but it will still car- count as an MLB game. But the travel time, like that seems rough. But because of Hassan Kim and his popularity in, in Korea, they're looking at the Padres. So we'll see what happens with that. That is pretty exciting. And what you just brought up about the travel time was one of the criticisms of the World Baseball Classic, Mm -hmm. where the teams that had to fly into Miami had a disadvantage over the teams that were already playing in Miami, except for then the fact that Japan won anyway. Yeah, right. Okay, so that got cut off at the knees. Yeah. Oh, Tani. All right. (laughs) Boyfriends. You know, just the little boyfriend rundown. These are guys that we pick in the offseason because they're super cool. And every year we go through all 30 teams. We each pick one guy per team because there's something special beyond the field. And one of my proudest and earliest picks was Kike Hernandez back when he was with the Dodgers. And I haven't let you all um, stop hearing about Kike on the regular since then. Now he's with the Red Sox, which I'm super happy about. And just, you know, there's just so many cool Kike Kike things. Like it just, it seems like I'm always turning around and there's something else like funky and fun about him. I really wish that we could give uh, in our, in our fantasy league, one of our players, Sonia, has Kike and, and mentioned to me that he's not like his stats aren't the greatest. He had a little bit of a burst recently, and it looks like uh, today he didn't do anything. But I know he had two hits. I think it was yesterday or the day before. Anyway, I wish he could get points, not just improvement points, but also character points. A while ago, and I almost said this on the show, I noticed that he was retweeting or reposting on Instagram 
a lot of stuff about this model from Puerto Rico. And I thought he was just being supportive of her at that time. She's a model with Down syndrome and very successful in Puerto Rico. And it turns out that she's his cousin. Oh, wow. So not only is she a model, which is impressive in and of itself, but she's the first model with Down syndrome to pose for Victoria's Secret. And that happened at the beginning of the year last year. Wow. So she, and this is, uh, I don't think I said her name, Sofia Girao. She got her first pitch. I think, you know, thanks to the connection with Cousin Kike, but also she's she's impressive in her own right. So she had her first pitch on the 4th, which would have been, I can't do math, 6, 5, but Thursday night against the Blue Jays. Um, and it looked pretty good to me. So yay for the Red Sox for, for promoting that, and yay for Kike for being such a fan of his cousin because he's always uh, reposting her stuff. And, and check it out on Instagram because you can definitely, I don't know why I didn't figure it out sooner really because there's a huge family resem resemblance. But also her story is really cool, and I think she's still dating a famous chef, Puerto Rican chef with Down syndrome as well. And yes. just like really cool to, to watch um, their, their stories. Yeah, I'll leave it at that. Oh, but also uh, the Red Sox are not stopping there. They also had Olivia Pachardo, who, is, ah. who we have talked about on the show, the first woman to play in Division I baseball with Brown University. She got the first pitch on the third, so the night before. So like... Famous women pitching in Fenway is kind of a, a good tagline. I hope we get more of that. The, the shitty thing about, I don't know, fans, I guess, in general. I don't want to blast Boston fans because they are my people, but I know they can also be, you know, maybe a little inappropriate at times. Uh, Pachardo did not throw a strike. Um, it what, I mean, she got not maybe over the plate. It was, it was off. But pitchers, in general, don't throw all strikes. Like, any pitcher has a ball that goes in the dirt, and hers didn't even go in the dirt. It was just off to the side. But there was a lot of really shitty, so many shitty comments on Twitter that Nesson, who had, who had um, the, the network that broadcast regional, the Regional Broadcast yeah. Network, yep. Um, they cut off comments, and they deleted a shit ton. So when I went to look at the tweet, wow. like, it was just all these comments deleted. And, you know, just fuck it. It's so, so I hope that she still enjoyed and got something out of her experience at Fenway Park and just didn't have to pay attention to the, um, to the crappy shit behind. But I have hopes for Kike. He's, he made, you know, when you're, when you're in a rut, you want to make some kind of change. And there was all this stuff about his purple hair, which I think looked lovely, lavender hair. And they were calling him Lavender Poppy, and there were actually T-shirts made well. They need a new T-shirt because now it is like a bright lime green. It's not, it's not the Statue of Liberty green that he wears on his accessories? Oh, yeah, it, it does match his shoes. It is. Oh, I think that might be. Of Liberty I think green. so. It's, it seems a little brighter than, okay. than the Liberty. But, okay. But still, you know, if it's a, if it's a change of luck, I'm all for it. Sure. And, and multicolored hair, you know, that's fun. So we'll see what's, what's next for Kike's hair and shoes. So I remiss because I didn't come prepared with a You Say Kiki, I Say Manny oh. response. Although, <laughs> so this is the weekend of the... Padres versus Dodgers matchup series and much was made of the fact that a couple of Padres players got a little bit of extra rest this past week before the beginning of the series and Manny was one of them he got it was Thursday it was a day off and so he sat on Wednesday to give him two days of rest so he would be ready to go for this series and I don't see the uh, the benefit of it just yet, but maybe today, uh, maybe tonight will be what he was saving up oh, right. for. They have the game I don't tonight. know. I don't know. My Atlanta boyfriend has been really sketchy for me. I was really excited about yeah. Michael Harris last year's Rookie of the Year, but he spent three weeks out in April because he had a lower back situation. Mm -hmm. So he was not in my lineup or in the Hammers lineup, which yeah. is probably more important. <laughs> For some people, really. I mean, not everybody. Every, so every, every Sunday when I do show prep, I click on the little box that shows me the last week's worth of stats mm -hmm. for everybody in my lineup so I could see do things pop, so okay. I know who I want to talk about. And Michael Harris popped up because he had the thir third highest OPS in my lineup beha behind Cal Raleigh, who we talked about right. uh, last week, and Kim, who I just talked about. Despite the fact that he jammed his right knee Oof, yeah. earlier this past week and he missed two days, they didn't put him on the IL. He was day-to-day, -day, took a couple days off, came back for the O series, uh, Saturday, Friday, but he came back on Saturday, but he had an O for it. Nothing happened. Today, 
Ofer until they went into extra innings and then he won the game for the Hammers with a walk-off. So it's one of those, yay, that's my guy who won the game against my team. Yeah. But it was pretty exciting. I had all those feels when the Red Sox swept Toronto because that's my pitching squad. Yeah. So I was a little rough. And then today, while I got the Schwarber home run alert for my lineup, I was like, oh, fuck, that's against the Red Sox. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly that. Totally feel you there. I can't believe that Michael Harris is back, though. Like, I saw that injury. It looked like it was going to be for a while. I guess youth, right? The recovery ability of youngins. Not I bet, I bet he could rollerblade and not <laughs> pull anything. Yeah. They probably don't let him, though. coming. It's probably right, right, contract. Right. Don't do he, it. He totally shouldn't ride. Like, like Chris Sale should not ride a bicycle. Nobody should be rollerblading during the season. Um, Kenley Jansen, back to the Red Sox. I know you guys are psyched about this. So, Kenley, I'm counting as a boyfriend because we pick a flock of pitchers. And I picked the Dodgers in 2018 when he was on the Dodgers. You picked Atlanta in 22 when he was on Atlanta. So he's a pitcher who has been around. He is an elder statesman. And I am so happy to see him with the Red Sox right now because he's he's a dependable closer. And he is enjoying his time in Boston. And he's really responding very well to the encouragement, shall we say, from the fans. So right now, at the time of recording, he is at his 399th save. He is approaching 400. It, mm, I don't think it'll happen by the time you hear this. I'm not sure if they're playing tomorrow. But that puts him at number seven all time in saves, which of course Mariana Rivera number one is six hundred and something. So never to be beat. <laughs> that's a ways to go. Although right now Craig Kimbrell with the Phillies is right behind him with three ninety seven. So I'm seeing a little like save competition over the nice. course of this season, and we'll see who ends up on top. But I think you know before the end of the season we're going to see both Jansen and Kimbrell in the four hundred save club. Not many members. Very cool. Very cool. I want to bring up Adley just because, because on Tuesday, he went four to five, four for five. He had an amazing game earlier this week. And then he went 0 for 12, actually, in his last three starts, which is not Adley-ish in any way, shape, or form. So they actually, they sat him today against Atlanta. Hmm. And then they didn't because it was the sixth inning and there were guys on base. And so all of a sudden, Adley was pinch hitting and then took over his catcher. He walked. Um, okay. Then And then and then he stayed in the game to catch. Like, oh, yeah, sure. Try to sit Adley Rutschman. It's just not going to stick. <laughs> Usually he trades off with McCann and one yeah. of them is catching and one of them is DHing. But he, did that. he said, no, no, take a break. Take a break. Okay, we lied. We need you. Come on back up. I don't know. Adley's only going to go to do good things. I think it's he's just it's there are blips. Everybody has a blip. Everybody has a blip. Yeah. But it was funny because like oh oh my god he's in a slump. I'm like well he's in a three game slump. He's yeah, not in a <laughs> like a month long slump. Right, yeah. right. Everybody's just going to chill. You know what? I'm actually going to talk about the O's for a moment. So the the Friday night O's Hammers game, that matchup was the fifth time in MLB history with Jewish pitchers facing each other. So Max Fried on the Hammers against Dean Kramer on the O's. And you can get the stats from at Jewish BB Museum, Jewish Baseball Museum on Twitter. I found it interesting that this was on a Friday night. <laughs> so, huh. you know, good Shabbos. The, the two Jews are pitching on the Sabbath. But, you know, maybe they're just that's their way of celebrating. You know, the, like base, the Church of this. Baseball, right? Or the Synagogue of Baseball. I was going to say, case. I don't know if Church of Baseball is where you're going with this, but okay. No, so the Synagogue Friday of night, Baseball, that'll work. Right, right. On Friday nights, that's what it is. So just to give a little bit more perspective on this, the last time that two Jewish pitchers faced each other was 1977, when Ken Holtzman of the Yankees faced Dave Roberts, not, not the Dave Roberts, who's clearly not Jewish, who's the manager of the Dodgers now, different Dave Roberts of the Tigers. Now wait, are you profiling there when you said he's clearly not Jewish? Um, maybe, maybe, and probably okay. inappropriately. But he, he has a, I mean, that would be fascinating because he already has a very multi-ethnic background. And right. if you threw some Jewishness in there too, that, yep. you never know. Sure. I guess you never know. That's true. You never judge a book by its cover. Um. Holtzman, Ken Holtzman, out of those previous uh, four pitching matchups, he was involved in three of them, including the very first one, which was against Sandy Koufax. Which I've is heard of like, him. Yeah, that my mom, you know, uh, bless her, uh, 
would always talk about Sandy Koufax not pitching on Yom Kippur. That was like the, the thing to hold up back in those days. But that was in 1966. So this means, and I'm practicing on my, my math here because I'm going to be teaching math next year. So I'm really working on this. I know you're shaking your head. I'm really working on this. So this means between 1966 and 1977, that's 11 years. Good, it's good. Yeah, I like right, that you also checked go. to make sure I was nodding. <laughs> I'm, right, I'm looking at you. <laughs> I'm the fact right. checker here on in the In 11 years, there were four matchups between Jewish pitchers. And then there hasn't been one since then until this year, which is last count was 2023. So that's 46 years of no Jewish pitchers facing each other, which I'm finding very similar to the 40 years of wandering in the desert for, for Passover and, you know, sure. leaving slavery story. So 40 years. And here we I'm figuring we're going to have some sort of miraculous increase at this point. Do we know how many Jewish pitchers there are yeah. actively in MLB right now? Oh, no. All right. Now I have homework. I have homework. I have to, yeah. I mean, pitchers, I don't know. I know that uh, Blyer, because he was on Team Israel for the the Red Sox reliever, though. But then there's a whole thing, like how many starters. That was like the great claiming. It's like, oh, yeah. now we know who's on the list. Right. Was, we <laughs> to play for Team Israel? Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and there we go. There's going to be my cheat sheet when I start right. doing my homework. Right. All right. I'm going to do that. One more historic face-off. Also, Ronnie Gajownik, who we talked about, um, you know, breaking, uh, setting historic records, not records, making breaking history. Breaking barriers. Breaking barriers. That's it. All right. I'm halfway through this lovely cider, and it's got a little bit of a kick to it. It's this. It's 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 the, um, the, hot, the, the, the hot, hot damn. Yeah. Hot it's damn. It's the spicy peach one. Hot damn. Right, I am not so having spicy peach. I'm bl- blaming I'm it on the cider. Apple. So Ronnie Gajownik, we talked about how she's the first woman to be uh, managing High A for the Hillsborough Hops, which is the D-backs organization. This past week, the Hops faced the Vancouver Canadians, who have Ashley Stevenson on their coaching staff, but a field coach, a position coach. So the important thing there is, is there was a woman in a uniform on the the coaching support staff on both sides of the field. And that's the first time that that happened. Um, They actually have been on opposite sides of the field previously. In 2015, they were each playing for their their country's team. So uh, Gajownik was playing for the USA, got the gold medal in the Pan Pan Am Games, and Stevenson was playing for Team Canada. And I do do not know where they placed. We know they did not get the gold. Yes. Yeah. When I saw that you had an historic face-off, I thought we were cross-training with hockey, but I'm okay. I caught back up. I no, caught back up. You can't that, fool me for long. Right. Now you that the Bruins are out, I'm not talking hockey for many months. <laughs> so we, we are talking flubbing now in the police flubbing. blotter. We're not, I'm not just doing flubbing. I'm we're talking actually, flubbing. Where we're analyzing someone else's flub, but I'm doing air quotes around the word flub. Right. I, I actually do. I'm, I am kind of convinced it was a flub, but still, it's mm. absolutely worth pursuing. Yes. Uh, Glenn Kuyper is the A's play-by-play announcer and has been since 2006. Hmm. He was suspended on Saturday for a slur he used during the pregame show prior to A's versus Royals. So they were in Kansas City, which is the home of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. So during this pregame show... Glenn Kuyper was talking about how he and their color commentator, Dallas Braden, went to the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. Mm-hmm. He, and I put air quotes around, flubbed the word Negro and he instead used a slur right. as he was talking about this visit. And it appeared like no one really noticed at the time. Neither of them looked shocked. Neither of them stopped. It just felt like he, whatever, stuttered over it realizing what he did or having it pointed out to him, which is much more likely at the beginning of the sixth inning, he issued an apology, which had the effect of calling attention to the slur because who watches the damn pregame show? Yeah. Right. So what he said was, and this was very vague. He said a little bit earlier in the show, I said something. It didn't come out quite the way I wanted it to. I just wanted to apologize. If it sounded different than I meant it to be said, as I said, I just wanted to apologize for that. So it was a very convoluted, vague thing, which sent yeah. everybody back to the recordings of the pregame show to find out what happened. And so, of course, <laughs> then it exploded. Mm-hmm. After it exploded, he issued a statement much later, which was a a good apology sentence, which was, I could not be more sorry and horrified by what I said. I hope you'll accept my sincerest apologies. It wasn't one of those, oh, if I, you know, if you were hurt by this or whatever, I certainly, it was, it was a good apology, but, but, and I'm using both the but and the Mm -hmm. and here. 
he got support from a couple of places. And the most important area of support he got was the president of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum, mm-hmm. Bob Kendrick, who said he hosted Glenn Kuyper for this visit and said yeah. he was genuinely excited during his visit. And Bob said, I have forgiveness in my heart and I ask that of others. I want okay. others to also forgive him because he felt like it was an honest mistake. He was treating it as an honest mistake and he's the man in charge of the damn museum. Mm-hmm. You do wonder if it comes that quickly off the tongue. Right. That's what I was thinking. No, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, rightly so, the A's sent out a statement saying we do not condone this language. We are investigating this. We will take appropriate appropriate mm-hmm. actions. NBC Sports California, who I believe is the employer because it was the, the broadcast network where this happened, immediately suspended him and they're, they'll keep him on suspension and off the air while they review this to kind of oh. come to a conclusion of did they believe that it was, you know, it was pretty quick on, on the tongue, so maybe it's, or if right. he just screwed up. Right. I screw up regularly, but this is a big one. I'm not apologizing for yeah. him. I am not apologizing for him. Sometimes a flub is just a flub. Sometimes you call it a flub when it's kind of like how you really feel about things. Yeah. Now, I appreciate that they're doing the investigating just to like see how this matches with his overall character. Because, right, I just like, how do you say that? I just don't know how you say it. There, there have been black players from the yeah. A's who have stood up for him. That's and said, good. we have never seen any evidence that this is how he is. This, you know, So he does have people okay. who would be damaged by what he said mm-hmm. speaking up for him and defending him. So I find a lot of... Um, I, I, feel, I feel good about that. Yeah. It's not just... It's not apologists. Yeah. It's people that could really feel hurt by this personally yeah. who are not they're they're concerned and they want to say this is not how we see this person right and i would honestly i mean personally defer to them and and really Absolutely. bob kendrick like what he says i'm good with that yep i'll follow him yep all right talking about some more murky police blotter stuff uh somebody who i really do not appreciate talking about yet here i am again with trevor bauer who is not just I, and I'm, I am going to judge him because I think he does have a very strong track record of being an asshole on various levels. Like with, there was the whole sexual assault situation, which is why he's playing in Japan and not here, because luckily no MLB team would dare to touch him. But even before that, like he was a bully online and just his whole general outlook is just not fun. So he's in Japan and, you know, he has this sword celebration, which I think looks fucking stupid to begin with. I don't know about the sword celebration. Yeah, you haven't seen it? So when he does a strikeout, he goes like, and, and this is not going to like translate on podcast, but he goes like this. It's like he's she- sheathing a sword. Is that what it's, okay. it's like? Okay, yes, I believe that yeah. is true. So he just goes like, and it's very sharp, and he makes eye contact, and it's kind of like a, I don't know, it's like a stab, but he's just sheathing a sword. I don't totally understand where it came from, but it's his... Thing. And he's been doing that. He did that with the Dodgers, and he really encourages his fans to do it along with them. It's sort of like this Trevor Brower support sign. And so he, in, on his Instagram, he's often reposting kids who do it and oh, applauding them for doing it. No. So, you know, this is where it gets very murky because I am very pro celebrating. I love the bat flip. I love the, you know, the the fist pump kind of thing from a pitcher, you know, the, the enjoying moonwalk. it. Yeah, anything that shows joy. But I just get this yucky feeling when I see him because it doesn't feel like joy. It feels like a fuck you. You know, it just feels yeah. like a, all right, I got you, asshole. And I guess that's part of it. It's all in the eye of, I don't know. So he um, is still doing that in Japan. And so he did a little Twitter clip that um and i think it was npb who actually retweeted it that he said japanese league yeah he said to his fans when i get a strikeout i do the sword celebration please join me in doing the sword celebration he said it very slowly and clearly and it was clearly meant to be something that would be easily translated and get fans to do it with him i have a hunch where this is going yeah so a, a closer on his team yasuaki yamasaki commented on the tweet thread and this is where it gets a little murky and I do not speak Japanese so I don't know the nuances of the translation 
But the first time that it was translated and retweeted as a translation, it was by the Yaku Cosmopolitan, which is a, a media organization. And they translated as saying, don't be an idiot. That's disrespectful. There are better ways to go about this. They're so, translating what the closer said. What, what, um, yeah, what the closer said to, to criticize. So basically, they're saying that the closer is saying what, what Bauer's doing is culturally insensitive. Sure. Like, we, you, that's not a good thing to do here. That feels right. So at this point, I saw, the way, that, way I saw this to begin with is, I, I don't know why I do this, so you don't have to. I follow Trevor Bauer on, on Instagram, and there's, <sighs> he puts a lot service. of stuff out there. But he doubled down. And you're just going to have to take my word for it because it's all been deleted since then. But I saw, it, I don't know if it was a story or a post, but it's long gone, of him basically saying, no, this is a celebration. You can't tell me what to do. Like this, like very defensive. And I that, really wish I could remember the exact words, but I can't. So it kind of blew up a little bit at that point. And that's when a correction to the translation came up. And what they said, the clarification, and I don't know who made it, was that instead of him um, criticizing Bauer, he was criticizing the Twitter account. And so the new translation was the club. So and, and so I guess it wasn't MPB. It was actually the Bay Stars. Their official Twitter shouldn't encourage fans to do the sword celebration. Foolishness. No respect. There's a different way. And then even after that... The closer apologized oh, no. to Trevor Bauer. Oh no! So, I he said so that the closer then made an official statement, and they they took a cute little picture of the two of them together, looking very happy. Oh, and he no. said the content I sent was received overseas in an unintended way, and it was perceived that I was bat mad at him. Talking with Bauer, I was able to convey my feelings firmly. Bauer is an important teammate who aims to win together. So Bauer did debut this past week. He did well. He pitched seven innings, let up seven hits and one run, one walk, and they got the win, nine strikeouts. Was that, were there nine sword celebrations? I, that, probably. Yeah. Probably. So this is – so I would love to know, and if anybody out there is, is more familiar with Japanese culture than I, um, if anybody can comment back – how this really is like is he continuing to do something that is potentially culturally inappropriate and he doesn't give a shit is it just because he's clearly going to be a dynamic pitcher on their team and they don't want to piss him off i'm just a little pissed off about him doubling down on it although he clearly deleted the double down so maybe he's giving a little bit too but i mean he's just an asshole anyway like I have, I have zero sympathy or or kind feelings for Trevor. Yeah, Bauer. I could totally see him trying to shoot down someone whose culture he is appropriating and disrespecting, right. and saying, "Oh no, I'm right and you're wrong." Exactly. I could absolutely that that is true to brand. Yeah, and that's exactly what I saw, but I there's no evidence. So, wow. but you guys can trust me, right? I do right. with my life. I, I have one more Ish, sort of you know, um, <laughs> not with my math, but right. oh no, no, you're a math teacher now. I, I trust you with I'm, my I'm math. Get better at that. You're, no, you did really, really well so far today. So far, so good. Yeah, and I'm Ooh, I hope I, I don't think I have more math in the future. I hope not. What I do have is a, a little bit of a complaint about both the Yankees and Tampa because that's <laughs> a, perfect. A, at least fun, and like both of us can can deal with a little bit of criticism criticism of both of those teams at this sure. point. Sure. So the, thank God the Yankees and the Rays faced each other because I was just happy that somebody got to lose every game it's you know it's like a, a glass half full kind of thing like you could be happy that somebody wins or somebody loses like yeah yay, somebody's gonna lose i need I, weirdly i need tampa bay to start losing yeah i know so the, the, this always comes down to well i can just be happy with whatever the result is because i can't i can never hope out. for the yankees to win uh, right but i can i can be happy with what the result is so the the tampa did actually win this game i'm talking about i think shit i think it was a friday night game where um, Randy Rosarena, also not a favorite from this podcast, opens up first inning home run off of Johnny Brito. So Rosarena is famous for his um, stop and fold the arms kind of thing. Yep. Which is, you know, again, I'm good with the celebrations, and that is a little bit of like an in-your-face thing, but I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm not okay with him as a human being, but I'm okay with that celebration. I'm not sure, and this is where I'm not making a, a decision at this point. Maybe you'll help me here. He stopped at third base and did this after his home run. So he hit the home run. What? Running the bases, paused at third base, 
folded the arms and did a little thing. And it was into the dugout. I think hopefully it was his own team. If it was the opposite team, that would be even worse. But he did that. It is a home game. And then, you know, it was was at Tampa and then got home. Well, because the Yankees are old school. Maybe, maybe. So this is the another part that's up for debate. He got uh, plonked the next two times. Twice. That was a double plonk. Yes. A double plonk situation. And that happened very quickly. So in the third inning, he was hit by pitch on his elbow guard. Let it go. Nothing happened. Nobody flinched. But then in the fifth inning, there was a, a different pitcher, um, Alberto Breu at that point, hit him in the ribs. So two, so that just looks suspicious, yeah, right? Yeah. He has not only a home run in the first, but he pimps it, and then he gets hit by the next two pitches. So there was a little bit of, shall we say, yelling between the dugouts. The benches did not clear. There was nothing confrontational on the field. But the umps huddled, and they conferred, and they decided that it wasn't intentional, but they gave a warning to both sides because things were heating up a little bit. Well, Kevin Cash heated up a little bit more than that, and he That'd came be the out. Manager of the of of the of Tampa Bay. Exactly, yes. exactly. So he came out and said um, that that half the crew, half the umpire crew, didn't feel it was intentional. And he said, "I don't give a shit what your crew said." So you know, hence my improved uh, my respect for Kevin Crash at that point. And then he got thrown out. So he got ejected for telling the umpires that he didn't give a shit what what half the crew said about it being intentional or not. Interestingly, though, after the game, he kind of came around and agreed that it wasn't intentional. So he and Randy Rosarena and Aaron Boone all are down on interviews saying, yeah, it wasn't intentional. Both pitchers had enough of an excuse. But Cash is saying that he got so heated because he felt like that warning that they gave after the second plunk should have happened after the first plunk. So I don't know. I thought they warn after plunks if yeah. there's any question whatsoever. Yeah, apparently that's what Kevin Cash took. Okay, so umbrage, maybe they maybe to. that one was clearly unintentional. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, I don't yeah. think so. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's, I would not plunk Rosarena, but boy, I'd want to. <laughs> yeah, I don't I, I could see, I could see. That's like, you know, I was never... You know, I, I I was not like a corporal punishment person mm-hmm. as a parent, but everyone's like I say, I could see why people would might <laughs> right. want to do that. I'm glad they don't. I will not. Right. But I get the I get the yeah yeah for sure. Hey, you know what we're bad at? Oh, which which of the things are we bad at? Well, I mean, aside it depends from math. On, okay, okay. Uh, our predictions. I just thought I'd take you know at the beginning of the oh, month. I thought take a look at our predictions. We're right. hilarious. We You're are so freaking hilarious. Um, I will tell you that we were not at all correct with the AL East. We were not at all correct with the AL Central. But I am crazy good at my wacky wacky prediction for the AL West. I picked the Rangers, and the Rangers are currently leading the AL that, West. That you, you deserve to brag on that one. I'm gonna that, brag on that. That one. is a good one to brag on. The other one, uh, you get a, a two for. I get a one for brag on what we called for wild cards for the American League. The currently the in in the wild card race, it's Baltimore. Boston, Toronto. What do those three things have in common? They're on the AL East. They're on the AL East <laughs> because we are crushed by an entire yeah. conference of teams who are all currently over 500. Yeah. So you had picked Baltimore, Boston, and Seattle. You got two out of three so far. Hey, and, hey. and I only have Baltimore because I had Seattle and Houston also, but we were all, all in for Baltimore there. For the National League, we have nothing anywhere. Oh. Anywhere. Oops. None of our picks, none of our picks yeah. are anywhere. Shit. So we're super bad at that. So we're going to move on. Okay. We're going to move on. To something we're good at? Well, something that players are good at, which is recovering from injuries. All right. Well, well, West Coast correspondent Deborah is good at this, predicting it. Well, for sure. So she she put into our, our you know, our, uh, what do I want to say? Our attention. She brought to our attention. Yes. Wow. Wow, and I just really started this cider. Right, you know, mine's. I well, don't I emptied know. the can. Uh, okay, but... maybe I need another sip. Maybe that'll help calm me exactly. down. Exactly. West Coast correspondent Deborah noted that Bryce Harper was likely going to come back ridiculously early mm-hmm. from Tommy John surgery, and he sure did this past week, 160 days after Tommy John, which is three weeks sooner than any other position player. Usually, position players are out for about a year. This was the half a year, maybe not even. 
So he came in as a designated hitter against the Dodgers on Tuesday, went 0 for 4. Took him to the fourth game, which was Saturday versus the Red Sox, and he homered. So he seems – it's okay the Red Sox won. Yeah, they, that so one. Don't, don't give me a today. face. Right, right, so right. this is actually kind of cool. I'm like, he is back right. enough that he can hit a dang homer 164 right. or five days at this point after – uh, having Tommy John surgery. You know, it's funny because I still think of Bryce Harper as a youngin just because he's of 30. Nationals, so he's not. So um, Masataka Yoshida, Red Sox, apparently one of his baseball idols is Bryce Hop- Harper. So he was all excited about this matchup between the, the Red Sox. Because he Harper. got to, and so there's a photo of the two of them together nice. and they exchange stuff, signed stuff. And That's Harper cool. was very nice about the whole thing. So That's really cool. I guess Harper gets some, some good points. Another super quick recovery is our pal Jose Altuve, who took wow. batting practice on Saturday, I think in Seattle, with the team. That was his 33rd birthday, by the way. This is important oh because it's his first batting practice since he fractured his thumb during the World Baseball Classic. Which we witnessed. Which we witnessed. So it's like six (laughs) weeks after surgery. He was cleared for some baseball activities as of this past Tuesday, but the impression that he gave journalists who were talking to him was he wouldn't be batting for a while, and Mm -hmm. then there he was on Saturday batting. So he seems to be um, pushing his recovery pretty quickly. We talked about Liam Hendricks, we sort of celebrated the fact that he finished his cancer treatment, his chemo last month. He is doing his rehab now. At the time, we weren't sure what he was going to be doing. He pitched for AAA Charlotte, a scoreless one, two, three inning on Friday. So, yay. Yeah, you know, I saw the, the funniest little clip interview with him for that. And I, I don't remember who they were playing, but when he came out, the opposing team all stand and stood, stood, standed, stood, and yeah, um, <laughs> all right, and shared for him. I'm not teaching English. I'm at least I'm just teaching math. I but gotta get one to. of the things right. right. <laughs> oh, Is that why you now are doing math? Yeah, maybe I got oh, demoted. Yeah. Um, but there was an interview with him after the fact, and he was he was sweet about it. Like that was very nice of them to do. But he said, "I'm a guy who pitches on anger." And when the other team's doing nice things to me, it's very hard to get out there (laughs) and then pitch in an angry way. But he managed to apparently recover. Yeah, I think he's in a different zone now. He's in a different zone. Uh, The beginning side of an IL stint is former boyfriend of No Crying in Baseball, Eloy Jimenez of the White Sox, Friday night in Cincinnati, started having some abdominal pain. And turns out he had an appendectomy. Didn't see that coming. Mm. Kind of hard to prevent that. He yeah. had just had. He was in in an eight game hitting streak. So I think that's on hold. I don't know if they'll let them him pick that back up when he comes back. But he will probably be out for four to six weeks because Ooh. abdominal surgery is no joke. Yeah. So we wish him the best on a speedy, speedy recovery. You know, a la Harper and Altuve. Right. Yep. I hope he got the laparoscopic version because that's just a teeny tiny teeny little tiny version. thing. Yeah. Still, still painful. Uh, so I'm going to go from Jersey to Jersey. First of yeah. all, we'll put a, a link in here for there's a, an auction going right on right now through MLB. I'm not quite sure where the proceeds go to, but it's World Baseball Classic used jerseys, and there's a whole bunch there. I used to mean game worn. Yeah, that's it. That, you get more money when you say game worn rather than used. <laughs> oh, that's what I got to do on on eBay. Yeah, that's this it. My, that'll my that'll help you like run shirt. up the prices right. a little bit. Yeah. So the top <laughs> shirt. Um, surprising nobody. The very top shirt is Shohei Otani's. Current bid is $85,000. $85,000 for a game run. I can't shirt. beat that. Right. And the next one doesn't even come close, but I think it's kind of interesting that um, Mike Trout's shirt, and I'm checking right now to verify, uh, at the time of recording, is $8,000. So, you know, who, who won that matchup? I don't know if... if Trout had hit a home run instead of Otani striking him out. Would it be the other way around? No. Who, no, because <laughs> Otani. Right. Uh, yeah, I think that Mike Trout is huge and important to American fans, yeah. and Otani is huge and important freaking worldwide. Yep. Yep. Good point. Good wow. Point. All right, more. Does it come in medium? Okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Let me check the size. You mean the, the, I don't know numbers. Size 40 is Otani. I don't know what that means. Well, it means Otani sized. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Trout is 46, so that That's tracks. about right. Yep. 
right. Yeah. So I don't know what size uh, jersey Justine Siegel wears, but she's got a shit ton of them right now in the Mexican Baseball Hall of Fame. So, so many cheers to Justine Siegel for all that she does for women and girls playing baseball, not only in this country, but also internationally in Mexico. And we talked about before how she guest coached for a bunch of teams in the off-season league for Mexico. So there's the Liga Baseball Mexicano, which, which has the same season as MLB in their LMB. And then there's Liga Mexicana del Pacifico, which is their winter league. And so she had been down there in the winter a bunch. And it started off with the Naranjeros de Hermosillo. They were the first team that sponsored her as a guest coach. And she did every time she goes, she not only coaches, but also does clinics and, you know, gives it back to uh, promote girls and women playing baseball in Mexico. And then since then, she was invited back by Four, I think it's four, five, one, two, three, four, five, five different teams in the in the Pacific League, and I can even try to name them: the the Naranjeros de Amarillo, the Venados de Mazatlán, the Aguilas de Mexicali, uh, the Algodoneros de Guasave, and the Charros de Jalisco. She did guest stints for all of those. But right now, just uh, two days ago, today's May 7th, so on May 5th, she broke yet another barrier and guest coached for their main league for the Liga Mexicana de Baseball, did a guest coaching stint with the Sultanes de Monterrey. So now she's the first woman officially to have coached in, in Mexican baseball. And notably, every time, and she talks about this too, she wears number 42 because she recognizes that she's breaking barriers. And so this is, That's you know, awesome. and she does a little hat tip, like I'm wearing this on purpose because Jackie Robinson broke barriers. And so I'm continuing to do that with the same number. So not only uh, is she there coaching, but on Thursday... The first time ever, the clinic was in the, I, I want to say the MLB, LMB, in the, in the, the major, major league is not the right word. I'm trying to say the word for like the main baseball league, like the, the grownups, right? Their ballpark. And this is oh, something that hooray. you always say, like if you, if you put it in the important place, that's going to um, give credibility, give yep. attention to what's going on. So if the girls' clinics are actually happening in the Sultane Stadium, maybe that would have been an easier way for me to say this. Yeah. You got that. So they had 50 girls there doing clinics with Justine Siegel and, and other, you know, not Major League, but Liga Mexicana coaches. and then It's sort of the equivalent of, it of Major League Baseball. So I think that's fair. Right, right, right. So that's good. So when speaking of Randy Arisarena's little celebration thing, there's one um, Instagram story that shows all of the girls doing that. And yes, like he was a huge hero for Team Mexico, did amazing in the World Baseball Classic. So... I think that's. I just want to point out that it w it's perfectly acceptable for mm -hmm. him to do that at third base if he hits a triple. Right, <laughs> right. I don't like right. stopping your home run yeah. trot to do it midway. Right. Go ahead and do it after you right. cross the plate. That's, that's it. fine. Exactly. Like do it after crossing Lead the plate. Lead into it, but right. just finish your trot first. But if you hit a triple, third base is a perfectly <laughs> appropriate place to do that. Yep. And the little girls doing it in their lineup was also perfectly that's great. appropriate. It was very, very cute. So that's 50 great girls. It's really assuming the I'm worth it. I, yeah. I, I'm doing good stuff. Look at me. Yeah. Pay attention to me. Yeah. Yep. I, I totally agree. So this is, um, so all these jerseys now are in a special Justine Siegel exhibit in the Hall of Fame. Dang. So it's an exhibit for her, and there was all sorts of, like, opening ceremonies and stuff. But I just want to close it with a, uh, a quotation that she gave in one of her speeches around, around this event. And she said, while I'm the first woman to coach pro baseball in Mexico, it's my dream that a Mexican girl will see me realize what's possible, and become the first full-time pro coach. I'm just here to help start the conversation. That's what it's about, man. She is freaking I impressive yeah. because she deserves all the accolades she gets, but she also knows how to frame that conversation yeah. to basically say, this is why I do it. Yeah. I don't do it so I get the accolades. I do it so other so girls will you know if you can see it you can be yep. it we'll get there and maybe i can help move that along and that's just so impressive yeah she's amazing she is amazing 
uh, less amazing for me, but really amazing <laughs> for other people, is the state of our fantasy league. I'm going to oh, give you the shit. I took a hit. Yeah, you did. Uh, so did I. I, I, I bumped back That's up, but I went back down again. Fucking Toronto pitching. Well, that, well I, I can't complain on that. All right. Yay! I took a hit. <laughs> and, she, and just filled up her right yeah you know you tried, you tried to bring out a can and i think <laughs> exactly. we noted the cans cannot be wrung yeah. out this is yes so again number one bono's boyfriends at 226 points and way behind but number two hooray for the a's suck badly at 188 and a half number three and all that jazz at 168 there are a lot of points between these top couple mm. of people and then uh, West Coast correspondent Deborah with the Ryan plus Austin plus Kyle plus Logan at 158. And the kids, the set it and forget it roster of the kids is closing out our top five with 155. And then there's everybody else. And if we need yep. to say it out loud, potty mouth's at eight and I am at 11. So there's, but you know, this thing goes to 11. This we, thing actually goes to 12. So <laughs> we just hope everybody's having fun. That's right. Sports exclamation point. We love the, we love us the sports yeah. ball. So you actually got to a game last week. I'm just thinking like what's, you know, when we usually do our closing, we talk about what next baseballs we're going to, baseballs, baseball games we're going to see. But you saw a game this past week. Was it fun? I did. I did. Um, I, Closed the show by saying, I don't know when my next mm-hmm. game is. And then a, a coworker of mine said, would you like four free tickets to the Nats? And I said, yeah. So that was good. But now I don't know when my next game yeah. is. Because we, I think, are going to, like, when we close up here at the studio, maybe spending some time with some schedules. Oh, we do need to do and, that. And, and, and buying some tickets because there are... Memorial Day games where the Guardians are going to be playing the Orioles. There's some good giveaways that we want to take advantage of. There's a couple of things happening that we might want to jump on. And I have to. This is when it starts getting complicated because I've got to compare these notes against the Thunderbolts schedule because there's a lot of home games. And hopefully I will be doing the PA announcing for some of those. So I don't I can't be in two places at one time. That that cloning thing is just way behind. So yeah, so this yeah. week I think any games I see are going to be on a screen of um, tiny to midsize. Yeah, absolutely. This week is just like way way busy for me. But the following weekend, and I guess I should talk about this next Sunday, and I probably will again. That I'm going to a Mets game with your kid, mm. and I otherwise known as our intern. Yes. You mean our intern? <laughs> yeah, and my kid as well. And um, and there's a giveaway. There's a Francisco Lindor bobblehead giveaway, which I am super nervous about not. Getting getting like I'm nervous about getting to City Field like two hours early and not having you guys are either going to come home with like six of those or zero of those right yeah yeah so if anybody out there is a regular City Field um, attendee attender somebody who goes to City Field a lot yeah one of those people yeah please let me know when I should get there because I could even like you know go out early and leave everybody behind at brunch or something like that I don't know I don't, know. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know yeah. what to tell you. But for everybody who's not going to go to that Mets game in the foreseeable future or really other games this week, please feel free to spend your time checking out older episodes of No Crying in Baseball and leaving a rating or a review if you like. If you have friends or family who you think might like to hear us talk about baseball, please let them know. You could always find us on social media where you can send us corrections or ideas <laughs> or um, yep. voice an opinion. How can they find us? Yeah. Pamela? Voice your opinions on Twitter at NCIB Podcast, Facebook and Instagram are No Crying and B-Ball. If you want to throw us a buck or two a month to make sure that we can keep doing this in the in the same manner to which we have been accustomed. The luxury, be, the luxury. Right? We want to support that. Yeah. Those are the super high tech stuff. And and really, we're we're kind of scraping by here. So we would appreciate more patrons on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash no crying and b-ball and when you sign up there let us know what would make it worth your while because we are very easily swayed and influenced as to what we can put on patreon that would encourage you to invest say a whole dollar a month to keep ncib going strong are we easily swayed because we're drinking hard cider that sure that could be it sure in the meantime, I hear that the pandemic is over, but I still want to make sure you've gotten whatever boosters you need to get before those all go away. I need you to fight the man because it's the right thing to do. Please send your game balls to Meredith. And until next week, say goodnight, Potty Mouth. Good night, Potty Mouth. Uh, All right.
You drinking the Kool-Aid? I am so drinking the Kool-Aid. Yeah. 